it's literally where the bay and the ocean meet and oh, okay. um yeah yeah so everything is everything here is marshes wetlands creeks everything's just been filled in and built on um that kind of land we have like the big like the biggest swamp or one of the biggest swamps in the country at least maybe outside of louisiana we have like that's just the kind of land we're on so ev everybody is like abutting a creek it's so common a creek or a marsh marsh or a wetland yeah yeah there's a lot of that around here except it's it's uh all feeds into the lake there's a big lake like fucking well here it is uh counties. branches yeah we have branches of rivers that kind of snake through take through our cities and uh everything goes into a bay which goes into an oat which promptly goes into an ocean so yeah yeah what they call the, a lake here is actually it's actually a river but they dammed it up like 80 years yeah. ago so water still like flows just whatever they they let off the dam you know oh that's it, weird it turned it turned a river into like a huge lake yeah dams that's one thing we don't have here yeah we got a there's a big dam like 20 minutes south of us and so that river that runs through here or it used to be a river they dammed it 20 minutes south of us like 100 years ago or something and uh well it was during Probably in the 30s yeah the 30s it was during the the tva kind of fdr <laughs> yeah 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 that's that it's almost no, it is 100 years ago now um so it turned that river that kind of snaked through this whole area into like a fucking giant lake like it's giant it hits like multiple counties um because it just dammed it up so that river just backed up into all these weird little fingers and stuff you know so it's there's a, a bunch of property around the lake and they all they're all fucking multimillionaires. We I live in the yeah. poorest I live in the poorest county in Tennessee, but it's such a weird class difference between like the people that live here and then the people that have like you know vacation properties on the lake. And mm. that's like a whole different demographic. It's either like poor rural folks and then you go like 20 minutes and then go to the lake and there's like multi-million dollar fucking properties you know see we have a lot a lot a lot of waterfront obviously because there's just so much surface area that's budding water so we have so much waterfront but it's all people live in all these like there's for the most part until you get almost to carolina anyway people people live in these houses by the water it's not vacation houses you, because it, if you have a vacation house it's down south of the carolina border basically um Oh yeah, yeah, they're not actually, all the vacation gym. properties around here, but a lot of them are. But the, none of them are here. I, I think all of them are living. It's, it's a lot of retired folks too that just like retired to the lake and they fucking live there and you know yeah. drive but around. If you head south of here, if you head south of here, you get to the Outer Banks, and then you start getting all the vacation homes, and that's where everybody here yeah. goes. Um, yeah, people people from up north will come down here, maybe even though they have beaches up there, but whatever if they want to feel free but uh people people around here they they definitely head on down to the outer banks i have like no experience with that but i mean that's just like that's just life here it's like oh yeah my, going outer banks my buddy there. my buddy from up north he goes to the outer banks every year i think he rents a he's been renting the same house down there for years and years so. all right we got anything um on the docket i know it's our, it's our question and answer i haven't actually did an intro to this um but uh Anything on the 
it's not really a docket. It's a question and answer. So if anybody has any questions or things for us that you know of, otherwise we can no, kind of just I freestyle. didn't prepare for that because I invited a bunch of people, but nobody is here. So uh-huh. anything on your uh-huh. mind? Current events. Um, what do you think about Trump getting busted? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I really, my real opinion, I really don't care. Um, I, uh, fact, sure. it, it, objectively, like, 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 not objectively, but I mean, widespread consensus that the charges are bullshit, and they are. You know, I guess if you want, if you care about like this, this issue of the rule of law and the integrity of law, I mean, obviously, like, there's, you know, what, how many laws would you basically? unjustly enforced to get the guy that you hate the most it's just this pure hatred of trump that um and the right that that i guess just animates so much of uh progressives it's just partisanship i guess i mean i dislike trump for a lot of reasons (laughs) but i don't think sex work is a crime and i don't think hiding money for sex work is a crime either so well, I mean, if, it isn't even law, but I um, think that even by technicalities, this isn't you know even in the technical sense, this isn't uh, prosecutable. Yeah. I mean, it's beyond the char- statutes of limitation. The previous DA there didn't prosecute it. There's no, there's a bunch of reasons why they basically can't. But they just there's just so much. They just want to see Trump pay for uh, I guess ruin. You know, I don't know, uh, uh, interrupting the uh, nonstop. You know. What you know, um, march of progressivism. This this is supposed to be unanimously running this country, unchecked from <clears throat> from Obama on out, which is was always the idea. You know, demographics are destiny. So we the, the right's pretty much going to be marginalized as a you know minor regional party. That's not in. We're going to be able to do what we want. And Trump's comes in for four years, um, and then maybe after that, I don't know what's going to happen. I think the the progressives really kind of played their hands, but they are sure pissed at Trump for he, he wasn't great, but you know, he stopped them from doing whatever new war they were going to do for four years and whatever, uh, other big governments, centralized, central planning culture, centrally planning culture, centrally planning the economy and other programs that they wanted to implement. And he put, they put them four years behind and made them have to resort to, uh, putting, uh, Joe Brandon in the office to restore normalcy, quote unquote. Um, see, the, I see. In terms just of so policy, bitter about there's this. very little difference between like you seem to think that Trump was like a difference or like a stopgap, but I I see very little difference in terms of policy between Trump and Biden. They're very yeah. I mean, Trump is in a, Trump's an elite. Trump is an elite Democrat from New York. I, I'm, I'm no, right. you know, no lie about that. But um, he was a Republican, and you know, he's sure. just like George W. Bush was a Republican. There is a, there is some major differences between Bush and and, and Obama on, on some issues, and on the issues that voters actually vote on. Uh, voters, honestly, yeah, what you're talking about is true, but voters don't see that. Voters don't voters don't vote on hard issues and material issues, you know? And, uh, even though there's a lot of con- continuity in what's called the permanent state, and that's what we mm-hmm. really focus on. And we focus on material, uh, material politics. So like stuff that affects actual economy and exchange and like fi- <clears throat> finance or like, you know, the, 
going against the Fed and the financialization of the economy. Like there are inside of that, I think on some level, major like class war and culture war. And that is that is happening and that is taking place inside the institutions as well. Um, we can't just pretend it doesn't exist, but um, what what do you think? The we can't really put our hope in like... someone like Trump either. We can't no, be the kind of not. people that put their hope in the Trump, you know, either. Because that's that's just naive as well. I'm sure we both agree. Yeah, I mean, Trump deranger sin- syndrome goes both ways. You know, you think there's oh, yeah. people that think I always felt that word. And... Yeah, I always felt that word just goes both ways automatically. You can say who's yeah, yeah. who are you talking about Trump derangement and and that he's like some kind of savior or Trump derangement. But yeah, exactly. Right, he's either Jesus or the devil, right? You know. So. Well, he's I mean, he did not seem like, right. like in terms of like actual actions, he seemed just very similar to every other politician. Like he's just, I don't know. You can put well, a direct line of continuation from Trump to Obama to Ronald Reagan. It's the same. I suppose that's true, thing. but that's because Obama. I mean, maybe Obama is the most, um, what you know, mischaracterized president. Maybe it's really like maybe you're look, we're looking at it the wrong way. Obama being a you know center right kind of continuation of Bush, like you said, Bush, Clinton, Reagan, um, and I guess the other Bush. Oh, that uh, kind of leads me to this. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean I, I think maybe it's, instead of saying that you know Trump was Trump, you know he was a continuation in some sense because the, the permanent state existed. He there was no you know the drain the swamp sounds great but when you realize how deep the swamp is and what this what the swamp is and who's in it and how dangerous those people are it's it comes becomes a lot more kind of fantastical that that man is going to be able to do anything about that even if he ever intended to which i don't think he did he's a pretty had he surrounded himself with pretty boilerplate conservatives in in a lot of sense um but i mean you know another way to look at that is just how similar to the previous one two three four presidents Obama was, and yet he was held. He was held up as some sort of radical, both by his supporters and by his his detractors. He's like yes. he's a community organizer, communist. See, that's what I was the point I was just going to make is if like you listen to Fox News, Joe Biden currently and Obama back in the day, they were like radical fucking communists. They were going to unthrow everything, and but in turn uh, overthrow everything, and they were going to bring about this and that, and. He's a secret radical fucking Muslim and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? But if you, like, look at their policies, it's like Scott Horton said. He's like, Obama wasn't a secret Muslim from Kenya. He was a secret Ronald Reagan. You know what I mean? Like, he was just he was just your basic law and order conservative, him and Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah and, um, the uh, ACA, the, the big, the big, his big centerpiece legislation it was a Republican Care Act, yeah. Obamacare. It's just, it was just what Reagan would have passed. Reagan put have passed probably something to the left of that, to be honest with you. But a lot of time had passed, and that's no longer the relative politics have changed. Like that's just the healthcare solution Reagan would have passed. Um, Reagan would have yeah, had. It's a very Obama couldn't even pass. Obama couldn't even have passed Reagan's immigration reforms. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah, it yeah. shifted a lot of issues had shifted. I mean, some issues have shifted to the left, but a lot of issues of politics had shifted to the right, basically relative to the to the eighties. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Reagan and Bush went in their primary debate were debating on who was more open borders. <laughs> um they were like like they wanted they thought they thought that's what their voters wanted to hear. Like oh, no, no, Reagan no, I'm was, more 
I'm more open borders. I want to let them all in. And it was the sort of, um, I don't want to call it left, but the sort of like social Democrat left labor types. They were the ones who were proponents of uh, closed borders. You heard Reagan say more nice things about unions than you'll hear. You would have heard Obama. Yep. Unions. And also he was a big fan of worker cooperatives, oddly enough. Yes. But he was, um, you know, but he was still a corporatist for for sure. But um, he was I don't think Reagan was a neocon, though. He had a he was sort of surrounded by neoconservatives in his cabinet. But I think he had more of like a people conflate Kissinger with neoconservatism. But Kissinger is a bastard. But he was more what you might call like a interested in great power conflict where I think what differs between that sort of Kissingerite foreign policy and like the neoconservatives, the neoconservatives are very interested in making the world, remaking the world in our image. So nation building, like literally bringing democracy to the people, whereas like, Reagan just wanted to overthrow and install a dictator and they didn't really care how that country was run. And they were very concerned about like putting countries, uh, getting countries to be allies against other adversaries. So it how those nations were run was sort of irrelevant to people like Reagan and Kissinger. It's really like the, Podhorets and the Kagans of the world that really want to make every country a fucking liberal democracy. Yeah, I, I that's still, what differs um, between the two. I still subscribe to uh, Thaddeus Russell's characterization of the uh, origins of the neoconservatives that they were they were Jewish kids that were that were um, bullied too many times by um, by black kids growing up and wherever, and they. Uh, grew up seeing um, black radicals and uh, the PLO on TV and they just grew up to want to lash out as much as possible against the, you know, against, against the uh, American left and in Arabs specifically, and just, you know, the, the third world in general. Yeah. I, what he says makes sense. Like I, I, I think that's, it's kind of funny, but you know, it's funny, uh, but it's, it's, it's too, it's definitely, I think that's definitely part of their motivation. Yeah. Um, because they, I think they were originally like radicals and then they realized like, oh, or like they thought to themselves, um, oh, these people, you know, speaking of like, uh, you know, the Black Panthers and stuff, um, you know, we don't really have that much in common, I think is what they were thinking to themselves. And so it became like, very similar politics, but uh, in terms of like in, uh, world revolution, but uh, more uh, Zionist centric and not necessarily for um, very much so. liberation of all. Yeah, people. so they it's also kind of identify like with Israel. And, yes, they're over here in Brooklyn and the Bronx seeing Israel being beat up by the, you know, in, in their eyes, Israel being beat up by the Arabs and they, and they're seeing that, and they're seeing all this commonality and they just want to, uh, you know, lash out, which is why that's the culmination of their policy is just lashing out against the Middle East. It's no, it's no surprise. That's how it ended up decades later. Yep.
Yep, yep. And it's and it's no, uh, it's very funny to see people like um, Bill Chris, Crystal sort of like move over to the Democrat Party. That's uh, I think they're surprisingly valuable. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they have like strong beliefs about most things, except for like endless war and protect Israel at all costs. But um, mm-hmm. in terms of like domestic policy. Policy, I think they're very centrist and sort of wishy-washy. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the um, what do you and what do you know about the old right? This is might be a great episode to like. Uh, man, I don't even want to go into something's too deep because uh, this is just a Q and A. But I've I've learned more about the old right and kind of the um, I've always heard seen these re- references and I really did not understand what they were. I still really don't really have a very superficial understanding of that but uh it really filled in a lot of the gaps in my understanding of the right historically as why did the right seem to have all these opinions that frankly they just didn't actually seem to have in my life's experience so um, but the, the reputation of being you know small government and and uh you know, for, for localism and, and and various other things and obviously anti-intervention um, which never seemed to be actually the case in my lifetime and it really always said well these people were just a bunch of liars which they are but um that i think is has a lot to do with it and and the transition of of the old right the right being old dominated by the old right to the new conservatives and the new right and that that marginalization of 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 the uh previous right-wing figures uh in in we've kind of touched on but i didn't quite understand at the time at the beginning of the cold war i I think finding out about that part of history has been really fascinating for me they really reinvented politics both i mean i don't know what the what you'd characterize as the you know the the left or the democratic left and and, and what where what had existed previously but just the, the shift in opinion on the right and, and the transformation f- from one thing to almost a completely different thing really s- seems pretty shocking. And obviously we know on the left, it was the uh, new deal Democrats that came in and kind of set the pace for everything from then until now. So I have a slightly different take on this and I'm not the only one that's made similar arguments. I don't think it's accurate to call them the old, right? So if you, okay, so you're talking about the time, like, just prior to the new deal through the new deal into the cold war but yeah if you just, and they're just called you, the old right I, I i agree i'm i agree with already with you with with, with that kind of idea they're called the old right well one thing history had happened a long time before, before that and there had been a right yes. to some extent or another but yes we are talking about the old right just in as compared to the new right of the 50s for sure 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 but if we if you just rewind a little bit like i've made the argument that the the right wing consumed the left long before that that period so who who the people were calling like the old right or who rothbard would have called the old right and others were kind of like the leftovers from the bourbon democrat party so Okay, and, yeah. and and their and their you know sort of ideological descendants or quite literally their descendants. So, my theory, and I'm not the only one to make this, is like prior to like the turn of the 19th century and the the election of uh, Woodrow Wilson, um, the right wing is would have um, like if you go back to the original Republican Party. 
it would be what you would think the progressive party would be at the turn of the century in terms of their platform. It was very, almost identical. They wanted a, you know, large central government, standing military, you know, militarism, standing army, um, lots of regulations, uh, cartelization of industry, uh, regulations, you know, protection of environmental things and blah, blah, blah. And, um, it was like a kind of kind of coupled with a weird like cultural imperialism it would be near the early republican party would be nearly identical to woodrow wilson's and fdr's democratic party very similar so you had offshoots like the bull moose party which was like teddy roosevelt's thing which was you know considered like it was, you know, new nationalism, new conservatism is what it was called at the time. And this was all like right wing. This is what was all what right wing was centralization of the union, strong military, strong executive, etc. Uh, lots of state intervention, pretty anti laissez faire kind of economic nationalism, high tariffs, that sort of thing. So then so correct me if I'm wrong, the opposite of that would have been the at times the Berber Democrats. I've yeah, always heard sort them of uh, Jeffersonian of liberals. Finally, yeah. I've always heard them spoken of fondly by the uh the Mises types. I mean, I've yeah, they were like uh Jeff like Jeffersonian liberals in a sense. Or some of them were sort of like Andrew Jackson liberals, like sort of populist, populist. in a sense. Yeah. Like anti banker, anti centralization, kind of for the working man kind of a, a deal, but they were distrusting of centralized institutions. So it wasn't like I'm for the working man. Therefore we need this huge centralized bureaucracy. Uh, it was more like I'm for the working man. So let's not protect big business. Let's not uh, centralization of powers, not for the working man. Um, and we don't need large banks and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's who was, that's who the left was at the time prior to the progressive era so then my theory and it's i'm not the only one who's made i mean rothbard made very similar arguments and is that that sort of right wing the early republican party and the whigs and the conservatives and all that uh actually took over the democratic party um or their ideological ilk uh, their their brain trusts and in in their their think tanks they took over the democratic party so then there was a split in the democratic party between like bourbons and uh, progressives and and rothbard called the progressives uh, a right-wing plot and we've gone over this before i don't need to go over it again so that i said all this to say i said all that to say this the people we called the old right were basically those Jeffersonian liberals. Like Jeffrey Tuckler says, we shouldn't call them the old right. They weren't right. They were just like leftover liberals, you know? Um, so they were, you know, pretty anti-interventionist, uh, skeptical of centralized institutions. They wanted, um, um, a lot of them were what they call bimetallists, which meant, they were for the gold standard, but they also wanted a like a silver standard in addition because they thought that would be better for like the little guy, the working man, because it's silver is usually like less expensive than gold, and that would allow like more liquidity for blah 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 for the for the 
uh, yeah, the, that whole the small thing. It's actually like super important. But I don't understand it at all. It's actually it's like really important. But wasn't it going to inflate the currency though? To help the farmers? No, it would just it would kind of allow for I don't think it would inflate the currency, but it would allow for more access to credit and and okay. um, cheaper money, basically. So would, that would, would inflate allow... the currency though, because that would increase the money supply. No, because I would say that it's still backed up on metal, um, so oh. it's still somewhat of a deflationary currency. It's just, it's just like okay, like picture. Let's say that gold was actually money, like gold coins, right? Yeah. So that would mean like it would take more capital investment to to buy into actual money than silver silver you can make in smaller denomination because like you know an ounce of silver is 20 bucks whereas an ounce of gold is yeah. 1800 so it would yeah. allow for like um you know smaller tr transactions in a sense and and uh less like uh capital investment to get into certain um what do you call it if certain financial instruments or investments or that sort of thing so I don't think it would be okay. inflationary. I'm not like for this or that or anything. I'm just saying like uh, the idea was is it would allow for more sort of liquidity for the little guy. But I don't think it would have been inflationary because it would still be backed by metal. Yeah. You know? But yeah, these Burma Democrats yeah. sound pretty cool to me when I've ever heard about them, which is mostly recently and on this podcast. Um they're they sound fine. pretty cool. That's who I think it, would be the old right, just like 10 years, 10, 20 years later. Predecessors of yeah, the old yeah. right. Yeah. But that's what strikes me is that the populist position at a time, the populist position was, in fact, like being skeptical of big government and big business and wanting, they actually wanted, I believe they wanted more immigration so they could get more people to vote with that cause because people were just skeptical of of the government and and you know the tycoons and people that were kind of benefiting from the car you know cartelization of the economy and stuff and skeptical of you know like a national bank i believe yes you know yeah. the idea that these things were the populist position wasn't you know we need more government and more federal programs but that we that is skeptical of all these things because we're in such a different era of history that it doesn't even match up it's so incongruent to 20th century politics yeah it's uh, for a long time it was very well understood that government worked for big business so the more power you gave to government the more power you were giving to big business over the crush the little guy that was very well I mean, understood up era, like the 19 uh, late 1800s you know what i mean but so. okay so when did that change i think this, this change was made permanent by the new deal yes i think after your new deal it's 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 over and that's yes. where you get basically the the parties the party system and the the kind of mindset that people were inculcated in yes i think that in the sixth in the 60s basically you get with the civil rights act and the, the great society and everything you get basically a refounding of america that's what i think people on the right nowadays says there's a is refounded america along along the ideas of like you know equality and racial justice and a lot of, and in a lot of progressive ideas of big government the welfare state and stuff like that basically the democrats kind of setting the agenda and then the republicans just being you know an opposition party to 
you know, out of control, I guess, progressivism. Um, but I think also another thing that happened, uh, just like we, we saw the big shift in the right after World War II, is World War II marked, you know, World War II was another, was, was the new founding myth. So just like the Soviet Union had the Great Patriotic War that was kind of their thing that they just harped on. We, we defeated the Nazis and they, they harped on for 50 years. The United States harped on for, has harped on ever since 1945. The, you know, we defeated the Nazis and we became this world power that's, that's here to spread and protect peace and democracy. And we defeated the Nazism and we'll defeat global communism. And um, I think that the great, the new deal and that war led to kind of the reinvention of America. And it's not so much the great, great society and the civil rights acts and all that stuff. That's just a consequence of the uh, refounding of America as, as the victors of uh, World War II and as a global hegemon. Yeah, a lot of people have referred to, I mean, really it goes back to Wilson or even Teddy Roosevelt, but we'll refer to the New Deal as a revolution within the form. So it, yes, it just changed. I don't know if I agree with that. To me, to me, I see a solid line of continuation. You can trace progressivism all the way back to the Hamiltonians and the Federalists, who were the right Ooh. at the time, by the way. There is a clear line of, in terms yes. of like policy, desire, the nature of the state itself. Um, promotion of the general welfare and at the time hamilton said like listen if we gear the economy and car and cartelize the economy towards big business the big business will feel invested in the nation state so mm -hmm. they won't leave they will be you know they will uh have incentives to be invested in this in this new nation and that was Hamiltonian's thing. And if you like look at the policies of the Federalist and and the the Whigs after that, and then the um the new Republican Party and then the progressives, very fucking similar and very similar in their views of what the state actually what the state is and what the state mm. should do. It's the same fucking Maybe. thing. These progressives are right wingers, is what I'm saying. Like that's that that is the right throughout the um throughout the uh, history of America. Like it, it's, there's a clear line of continuation from Hamilton to um, to the to progressives now, and especially at the New yeah. Deal time, they were straight up corporatists uh, um, at the at the time. You know, the early 19, uh, 1900s straight up corporatism that's exactly what that was you could call it like neo-mercantilism if you want but um you know it, it was i would say corporatism is sort of like an updated version of that for the modern era and uh you know sort of post-industrial revolution um so to me these people wow. are right, yeah. all right wingers and it's all the same i don't think it was actually a chain a real change i think the constitution was the revolution within the form the federalists um, yes yes the federalists yes, uh, and, and to me the the progressive era was just a sort of an expansion of that same I ideals the same way of, of viewing the nation state um and th that continues to this day there is no more um there is no left in the United States anymore. There, I don't think there has been for a very long in uh, mainstream politics anyway. 
um, to me that yeah. this, the right consumed the left a long time ago. Um, yeah, so even the all new these left, people, which even might if, be separate from your narrative, even the new left, which might be separate from your narrative, is something that kind of good sprouted point. out in a rose. That so, that little period of the new left, I think that was totally annihilated by the, the FBI and the CIA and everybody um, when it did exist. I agree. And then, um, you know, a lot of it was um, a lot of that, like the same at the uh, the time that uh, the first um, progressive era, you know, we'll call the new left, maybe like the great society era, like a sort of a extension of that. But um, it dragged in and uh, dragged in a lot of like radical thought back into like sort of mainstream respectable politics. So the progressive era was sort of like a trick for a lot of these like uh, young radicals who are interested in, you know, labor causes and environmental concerns and, and all that sort of thing. And um, basically the progressive era took that sort of idealism and rhetoric and, and just uh, implemented it in a way that would benefit big business as opposed to like abolishing big business right or um anything of the sort so it was a very similar thing in like the six the, the 60s as well and um i think that a lot of those uh that new left idealism just got dragged back into like sort of centrist liberalism um speaking of the new left though uh if you go back a little bit further there was um Oddly enough, the alliance against the New Deal and then later the um, the Cold War was a weird alliance between, like even before the New Left existed, uh, there was a weird alliance between what people call the old right, which I don't agree is the old right, and like Leninists and like other radical leftists or like even like straight up like Georgists, like Al Albert Nock. Um, you know, so it was a weird, yeah, that's like, really interesting uh, to me. It was a weird anti New Deal coalition of like fucking straight up Nazis and then like the old right and like Leninists and some other radical leftists. And then you saw the same thing during the Cold War of like the old right and like SDS and like libertarians who were like anti Cold War. Um, so you know makes makes uh weird times makes for strange bedfellows in a sense yeah i mean that's really interesting i'm, I'm kind of want to get out of talking too much history now because it was an amazing history lesson but i'm kind of wondering about the current day but uh it's amazing that you're going back to hamilton with that i think you can draw some parallels too i don't know what hamilton would have said or the federalists would have said about the uh about the uh Providing the government, um, providing or securing the common welfare, or whatever the whatever the term is, um, the general welfare. I, oh, he's know, the one um, that wrote that clause. Of, oh, okay. Well, there you go. He's the one that wrote <laughs> yeah, that so clause in the preamble really a, to uh, the Constitution yeah. that the um, what the state should be doing is uh, a bunch of other things, but also promoting the general welfare, and that was mm. let left intentionally vague. Uh, yes, that's intentionally vague. Yes, I was, I was going to say, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, even when you look at somebody, you look at him, um, he was 
you know, I mean, he was progressive on the, I bet he was progressive on the race issue. He was progressive certainly on slavery. I mean, he absolutely thought it, thought that all these slave, uh, slave owners were absolutely hypocritical, um, holding slaves while we're writing about freedom. And he was right about that. Uh, but you know, I, I, there's so many parallels here. If you, if you use a little bit of imagination, there's so many parallels here that go on down the line of history. Yeah, and weirdly enough, like he referred to him, he was not born an aristocrat. He was sort of like a self-made. He was born like a poor worker in some bar, I think Barbados or Bahamas. Yes, Barbados, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And um, so he was not born an aristocrat, but later in life he became very wealthy and, you know, rubbed elbows with a lot of banker types like Robert Morris. And, um, he referred to himself as an aristocrat and he thought society should be run by the well-born is what he said. So like he might've been, I don't know, good on the race issue and slavery, but in the sense that it was like a larger elitist project. So let me, um, I'll give you a, yeah. a parallel example. Like um, Kennedy and the the Kennedy brothers, they were very pro civil rights, and people might think like, oh, they just they really believed in equality, and um, you know they really wanted to help the the black folks and, and that sort of thing. But at the time, they were fighting a cold war with Russia, and so Russia was pointing showing uh, the world what you u.s cops who were fire hosing black folks in the streets and sicking dogs on them and the soviet union was going see this is what these people are doing in their country there's a whole um the whole genre of propaganda caught in and and, and like i forgot what exactly what it is but it obviously translates from russian but like uh, and what is what is happening to your negroes or something where it was just like decades of that being used against uh the, the u.s yes. and you got to keep in mind of course that um you've got to keep in mind of course that the kennedys were the most rabid anti-communists i mean say what you want about com communism or state socialism but the word anti-communism to me means it's something entirely different it's a it's a very very dangerous imperialist project that's separate from just opposing communism and these guys were the most rabid of the anti-communists the democrats themselves the the cold war you know crusade against communism was was first and foremost not entirely and maybe not just slightly edging you know over 50 percent. but i think it was first and foremost a big government democrat project it is just funny yes. to hear people equate the democrats with uh socialism which I mean, there's you know some people that call themselves democratic socialists nowadays and stuff like that. But to to call Democrats communists when they are the they are responsible for the monstrosity of anti -com, of quote unquote anti communism, capital yes. A anti communism uh, in the throughout the mid 20th century and all the depredations and things that's come from that. Well, here, so what you're saying just pop made something else pop into my head, and I think I might be onto something here and let me see what you think but so remember how i said like there's a weird coalition against the new deal and leninists were there was many leninists at the time some of them got sucked into progressivism some you know radical leftists and stuff 
got sucked into progressive, but most of them were radically anti-progressivism. And I think it's because they saw it for what it was. They called it fascism. They said, this is fascism. And, they, you know, you, you go back to, like, Marxists, like Gabriel Coco and stuff. Like, they were very aware of what this fucking was. This was uh, ruled by corporations. You know what I mean? This was very, it, it reeked of fascism. So what you just said about the, the Democrats being very anti-fascist, I think you're on to something there because the fascists and the communists were not very good friends. And at the time of the progressive era, like they were praising Mussolini, um, Hitler. Well, you're saying the, the Democrats? Democrats at the time of. Oh, like, you, you said anti-fascist, but they came anti-communist to Democrats being anti-communist. They're very anti-communist, so yeah. And oh, I think but, there's yeah. I totally there's, get Mussolini because Mussolini was even before Hitler comes on the scene. I think yeah, Mussolini. I'm sure they seemed love like a, Mussolini. a very yes, like a groundbreaking guy, just like Stalin and Mao to the to the far left later on. Um, actually, the far left then, but um, oh, but in the 30s, but in the 20s, yeah, Mussolini probably seemed like oh the the next thing with all and plus with all the futurism and all the the yep. aesthetics. Yep. Yeah, I bet he did. So I think you were touching on something that you might not have even been aware of, but I think that is, I think the progressives were, I, I will call them fascist. I think they were at least proto-fascists. No, and, the communist, the global communist movement of the, the, the red movement of the USSR and, and, and onwards um, was definitely obviously a major threat to them, which yes. makes them a not socialist, uh, but that was a lot of the a lot of their motivation was clearly that the, the the global communism was a major threat to them and their project, which yes makes it definitely not communist. It, it makes it something, um, you, you know, uh, not communist like different. Cor it's corporatism. I, it's straight I'm up I'm lacking the word for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's the reason, like Kennedy and uh, and the Kennedy brothers, right? Uh, uh, JFK and RFK, they were not like civil rights heroes. There was very much a propaganda war against the Soviets. They were anti-communist at the end of the day. And what they wanted to do was like further their imperialist nation state project. Right. And this is obvious, like straight up progressivism. And I think that was I think Hamilton was uh, good on race and slavery for the same fucking reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he wanted to like further the expansion of the nation state. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it's so not a racist we're, cause. There's right. No, it's there's no very much a non, no point to this. Yes. It's all, it's like civil fascism or civic fascism versus ethnic fascism. You know what I'm saying? So yes. it's like, it's very not race racially based. It's like merge. Uh, it's merging your like uh, the individual identity with the nation state in some sense. So um, that has very little to do with what sort of ethnicity or, or, or race you are. Um, so like, I think that was largely Hamilton's motivation. And that was also largely like sort of uh, the later progressive uh uh, project as well as it was had, had very little to do with like empathy for black the plight of black folks at all and it very much had to do with like sort of liberal imperial projects 
Um, yeah, and it wants to have them. So I think there's just twofold to that. So a, it just wants to have them as being like functional participatory people in the functional participants in this project as citizens with all the rights and responsibility rights and like duties of oh yeah citizens. Uh, they so immediately got signed the military and the civil service no it, it obviously like the big one of the biggest the biggest thing you notice is that they, they they're heavily incorporated into the military and the civil service because it offers for them more of an opportunity relative to what they would otherwise have i guess out out in the, the world with with you know it's it's history and it's 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 uh you know potential racism and other things but to, to be able to kind of promote them so first of all you're operating you're, you're incorporating these people into your uh national project your civic national project by uh have you know heavily incorporating them into into your military which uh began integrating very very early on like 48 49 and was fully integrated by like 51 52 i think and um and also uh in, in the civil service and everything get them really you know bolstering then bolstering from that population a strong support and loyalty i think to to the state and to certain political factions of the state i mean you'll see blacks for a long time and i've seen it have a picture of of uh, john kennedy like a portrait of john kennedy on their mantle that's a traditional thing and then i think you know separately you, well no so proceeding from that then you you almost have this group i guess feeling like they owe so much to that the state and that faction of the state the um i guess the liberal democratic state that they become potential any kind of sectarian politics a potential defender of that liberal democratic state are you know strong defenders you know people that maintain a certain loyalty or are less likely to show disloyalty to that state yeah like i was just saying like the one of the first things they did after the civil rights act was sign them all up for the draft you know what i mean it's that i think that's another large factor in the thinking of the at the, at the time of um well, they ended, like I said, they integrated in 48, 49. Nobody, nothing else was, nothing else that was segregated was being integrated that early. That was, that was the first thing by far. I think schools were like 56. That was Brown versus Board. And, yeah. you know, you didn't see your civil rights acts in like 63, 64, and, or 64, 64 whatever. Yeah, which uh, we were coming into Vietnam. So they immediately Vietnam, shipped them uh, off to uh, Vietnam. Like as soon of as the civil rights happened, they shipped them off to Vietnam. You know what I mean? So, um, I think that's I think that that and you absolutely had yes, and you absolutely have yes, yes. That that just makes so much sense. I just want to I just want to say that makes so much sense. So you're you're absolutely it's absolutely a project to get to scoop up a bunch of uh, of of black men amongst others and ship them all the way over to Vietnam. A group of people that would under different circumstances had they been treated differently in the in the in the recent in the past um decade before then would be um setting fire and and, and planting bombs more than the few that were done yes um setting fire and setting and they weren't necessarily done by black people and shooting cops but, uh, setting, yeah. setting fire setting bombs shooting cops and and and, and fighting a guerrilla war which they could have easily done had they not been incorporated into the th into the thing and we don't you know we don't stand segregation or anything like that but um you know the 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 prog 
the uh, project of integration was absolutely one to create a a group loyal enough to go from potential insurgents to, you know, fighting insurgents in the jungles of Vietnam. Yeah, I think I think that's a large part of it that doesn't get talked about because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But I think a lot of the reason the civil rights movement happened, and actually Martin Luther King writes a letter and makes this very point. I think a lot of white folks actually feared the social and economic power of black folks. So they wanted to integrate them into this like sort of liberal democracies so they could kind of keep everybody on the same page under the under the thumb, et cetera. Like you're aware of Black Wall Street, right? There was there was a like black folks um yeah. prior to the sort of uh civil rights act, they had like huge economies, booming economies, like rivaling like white businesses, no problem. And the, like you said, there a lot of them were very violent, very, very well armed and for a good reason. I'm not knocking that at all. And they were building their own security forces, um, all, all of these sorts of things. And sort of like, I think there were some people who feared that, feared the power of black folks. Being, building something on their own, like a parallel society. I think they feared that. And so instead of like, they thought. The so they feared to, the conservatives, the conservative that. segregationists. They feared that, that the conservative segregationists would, would lead to, would lead to that, that, that their desire to mar be separate from, in some cases marginalized, but be create a society where blacks are separated from whites or separated from everyone else is actually going to, over time, over generations, actually create a, a much. Yeah. Yes, yes. I can yes. see that. So instead of like the old way of doing it and just sort of trying to crush the black folks, I think a lot of people were like, no, let's. I think the move is to into like sort of integrate that and and uh, consume them into this sort of like demos. Well, in, into if you're the, not in actually Asian racist, well, right. they're also not actually racist. They're not racist in the same way that racists. You know, they're not racist. Are they're not? If you're not racist, what's the point of even allowing that to occur? I mean, what you're what you're having is people that are actually racist in the South that are that are creating a policy that has multiple bad effects, including, you know, that larger, that longer term thing that we just mentioned, plus obviously like destabilizing the country that's trying to take on global communism in the Soviet Union and trying to be a global hegemon. So, I mean, if you're not actually that racist, or maybe you're not racist in that kind of way, at least, you know what I mean? Um, there's no yeah, reason. It's a, to, it's a different kind of racism, but yeah. Right. I think they're both racist. I think it's just two separate kinds of racism. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, racism can have a lot of different terms. You're right. I mean, clearly they felt. I don't, I don't know of necessarily fearing the. See, it's the thing. I don't know that necessarily fearing the power or the potential um, threat from black people having living living under uh, segregation and being forced to become self reliant. And, and not having the protection of the rule of law and so on and so on and so forth. I don't think 
fearing them under the circumstances where they maybe ought to be feared just rationally is would, would count as I don't I wouldn't call that necessarily racism. You know, it's obviously a racial racialist attitude, but I'm not I'm not saying necessarily we're we're holding like uh you know like uh, essential genetic genetic essentialist um differences oh, sure. which they may it's or may not, not believe exactly racist, it's contextual right. to history which is a lot different i think than i wouldn't even call sure. that racism but I, I see what you're saying it's an entirely different thing for sure um well fearing that is sort of racist but what's more racist is like we need to put down the power of black folks by sort of integrating them into the nation state so we yeah have but to it's not wash that power because uh, by putting them into our um, white liberal nation state, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that yeah. to me is more racist. Being afraid of it. Or, well, they're or a threat to one other thing. They're a threat because of the historical context, uh, yes. you know, that, that they've been living in. Um, and that's exactly true. Like they, they had, they had very little buy-in with the, with this, with the state, or maybe if they did, they were clearly dissatisfied by that time. And they, and, and of course the civil rights struggles, would have existed the potential civil rights struggles um absent world events had been put on hold and deferred and that's what actually really what happened what happened was that that civil rights was supposed to happen in the 40s and then uh, got deferred because a bunch of other stuff was going on in the world and um so it kind of built up like a dam and the pressure kind of built up that's why it happened all at once a little more less gradually i i suppose so I think this leads us to, and then you get to Mao. You also get like influence from like Maoism and and, and different leftist ideologies that also kind of radicalize people as well. I, I should say that I, I wouldn't have existed previously to that. Right. Um. This kind of leads me to a question that was posted in the Discord that I'm trying to find. I had it here for a second. Okay. So it kind of bothered me. Something that kind of bothered me with the Sheldon Richmond interview was his like dismissal, you know, very um, like cliche dismissal of woke, which I thought, I mean, and like I said, I'm not woke either. Neither are you. I don't really describe myself in those terms, but I thought he would be more open to like sort of liberatory politics in terms of like um, more marginalized groups and like understanding that they the state has like crushed these people historically and up until very recently um and like um it's like i've said um market anarchism is very liberatory for all people you know so yeah including you know i i'm not worried about like uh you know the state policing words that's an entirely different subject that i'm i'm not about but i am for like um i do understand like the the history of these things and um you know the the state has oppressed these people significantly and i mean it, it wasn't it's been within my lifetime that they were shipping crack into the ghetto um through the cia and then driving tanks down martin luther king boulevard in la so it's we're not that far from these things. You had the crime bill, which would, which was literally aimed at black folks by the Demo from the Democrats, by the way, um, in the nineties. And that was Joe Bar Biden and the Clintons were the architects of that. 
so like to me um like the anarchism is the liberation of all all humans and specifically even market anarchism is very uplifting for those who are currently oppressed by the state and this sort of it precludes or includes like woke politics in a sense you know like um especially as it's now legally defined in florida um i think the legal definition in florida of woke is like criticism of system uh, uh criticism of or belief in systemic oppression of people wow. I, okay, okay. I'm, I'm i'm so that's me like i'm they desantis just defined me as woke you know what i'm saying like so yeah um so i have one thing to say as a caveat to that is, is like by the original definition of woke when it kind of escaped and even when it was in like african-american vernacular the original meaning of woke before it was snatched up by the right and it, it, it was even a little bit before i maybe have heard about it on memes or right when i just started woke meant basically what you're talking about so it means kind of being aware of the untold histories and in the, in the the kind of things going on the currents the narratives i guess the things that are going under the main narratives in society mm -hmm. and being kind of aware of the history of like oppression oppression in government acts and stuff that uh just aren't talked about um being aware of maybe the oppression of certain groups in the, in the history thereof and everything kind of what you described was the original meaning of woke. And I think it's kind of transformed in meaning just to mean like it's just it's replaced the term social justice warrior or something. Cause it's a pretty clunky word. Um, all that. And, and that's all valid. But th that being said, I would like to defend ri uh, Sheldon Richmond. I totally agree with him. Listen, I'll defend him too. Woke, what we're calling woke is dangerous. It's it's absolutely dangerous. It's class war. It's class war. It's it's it is uh, people of all races, but it's often you see this on TV, black and brown people on network TV with master's degrees, punching down on 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 uh, the working class, whites, Christians, and and so forth. Obviously, the conservatives have their own things, punching the other ways, and it's it's creating tension cultural tension and conflict just through mainstream institutions universities television uh the, the, the media um the internet blogs uh government agencies non-governmental organizations absolutely creating this this conflict this whole thing this this um and it is from in my view i hate to say that it is from the left it is absolutely cl class war against middle american middle america and basic society now its goal it's its actual goal so i would characterize it exactly as much as a, as a, as as any reactionary would absolutely 100% on board i don't know even what i would consider myself in the current climate but i think they totally diagnosed the problem its goal or where it comes from is not some centralized conspiracy so anybody that says that's right out the ballpark these people actually believe it but its goal is not, I think, I would not agree with them in, in what, what the end goal is. The end goal is probably is to create 
you know, circular revolution and tension and disunity and hate. Not that I'm for unity at all. I'm for decentralization of culture and everything else. But I think that the goal is to kind of create um, tension, which with under which uh, superseding authority can kind of um, kind of come in to maintain that stability. That there's that below. There's just a, a a a mass of people basically at each other's throats. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't thought of how exactly how to word this and how to kind of conceive of it, but I do think it's absolutely class war punching down onto Middle America and punching sideways and punching up in different ways and Middle America punching different ways. Um, but I absolutely see like like even the idea of drag queens in schools, like. Okay, you could be against it because it's it's wrong or degenerate or something like that. But you know, we're critics of schools. What are what are what are administrators around the country spontaneously at the same time coming up with the idea of having drag queens read to kids, knowing, and I think this is what this is my assertion, knowing full well what the reaction is and specifically wanting that reaction more than anything else indoctrination of the kids is completely secondary they want they want that reaction from from middle america so see so this is the problem with like terms like woke and social justice warrior or whatever is they're very ambiguous terms and they um they mean different things to different people and i don't think there is a unified goal I think that what you're no. describing is probably the, tension the goal of some people. But I, man, we've got anarchist friends that listen to this show who you would define as woke, and they have no interest in conflict, and they have no interest in like nation state or like or at government uh, um, control of, over people. They have no interest in any no, of those no, things. No. I right. th I think, for example, the, the the foot soldier in this in this war might have very different, like any war, might have very different goals than than the, the general. I absolutely think that's the case, and I but I think that there are people that think they're for they are literally furthering the revolution. And the revolution might be a revolution against gender. It might be a revolution against uh, 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 the bourgeois li liberals and mi middle the middle class. It might be a revolution against religion or whatever and then you have people that absolutely are doing it for the for the the class war and the tension thing that that, that it's it's a hatred of you know petty bourgeois middle american values and um you know say what you will in defense in defense of in defense of the american middle class it's the only group of people that solidly hold it outside of niche groups like us weirdos the only people that that hold any sort of idea as as far of a, as a mainstream voter block of like personal freedom and responsibility outside of people like weird weirdos like us that don't vote or don't participate in the in the mainstream system and it doesn't matter because i don't think at the end of the day for the so-called so, so generals in this in, in this conflict i don't think it's about ideology they don't care about transgender ideology like don't get me wrong the people that are pu pushing pushing forth transgenderism don't care about transgenderism in the same way that a transgender person cares about that it is absolutely about they're above whatever effects of this conflict 
in the reaction in the counter reaction whatever effects there are they're above that they're they have built they might we might be talking about a billionaire or something they can, they can be actually not totally insulated but are already so far outside of the normal discourse of society that it doesn't affect them in any meaningful way that they wouldn't be affected anyway but yeah i i, I think there is something about the idea of woke and another thing that the idea that the 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 key to progress and or the key to liberation is so their idea is so different from ours that, that just simply inverting hierarchies just just inverting hierarchies just saying a black's opinion is more important than a white's and a woman's opinion is more better than than, than than a man's and you know any minority it, it has to be held up and have more rights than a majority and any person that's uh, an indigenous is, is automatically deserves even materially more money or more things and more power than than a person that's a, a, a white and so on just simply inverting the hierarchies and just putting so instead of having you know whites on tv telling eth ethnic jokes they just put blacks on tv telling jokes about whites which was actually funny for like a decade and then you know kind of kind of gets so but when it gets seething and angry and you also see even among racism like Racism used to be funny. Ethnic jokes used to be hilarious. Now it's just seething, angry racists hating minorities and 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 and, and you know and, and equality and stuff. Um, and I yeah, think that's Richard actually by Pryor design of this. Of this today. I know, man. That that I that I like that. If that's racism, I like that kind of racism. But this the seething, hateful racism that's coming as. I'm sure it exists and it always existed, but also as a counter reaction to this, you know what I mean? This kind of punching down. I mean, I'll just walk in, you'll just walk in on the, on the, on the late night shows and just see people constantly punching down at their class enemies, or you'll go onto uh, the daily wire or whatever conservative website or whatever. That's got, that gets a bajillion clicks and makes a lot of money. And, and yes, they're not on network TV, but these people make big money too. Um, the conservatives just, punching punching at their uh trying to punch back at their class enemies and i think there's just a lot of class conflict and those classes are very there is more something nuanced to that than previous eras to um yes yes there's a lot of that uh where we're yeah it's, I, I will agree. and it's it's will. but it's dangerous to liberty it's very very dangerous to liberty and it's so far different than how we conceive of it though i think we have a good liberal idea a real liberal idea of liberty and i think that this kind of thing is extremely dangerous to uh to libertarianism i think it's actually a threat to like going forward to our way of thinking so i will kind of agree that a lot of what's called woke or social justice warrior often comes from like Mm, upper middle class white liberal elitism like being offended on behalf of others sort of a thing and to me that stuff's gross i don't like that at all it seems very elitist it seems very paternalist um they're very insulated in in ivory towers and don't have any fucking idea what it's like to be like a poor working class person or like even a poor you know working class minority or anything like that they have no fucking idea they read about the pores in a book do you know what i'm saying like so that kind of shit is gross and um i don't like that and there's definitely something to what you said in the, in the sense that 
they are sort of the new managerial class, like the upper middle class, uh, you know, white college liberal or whatever. Um, there's something to be said for that. And I think they, in some sense, protect capital for that reason. However, um, that's not all of it, man. And like a lot of this, I don't see as like, I mean, I would not describe my values as liberal, but even classically liberal. But um, I think there's a lot of people who I would probably agree with us more than not who are interested in causes of just as I am, man, of like systemic oppression of like, yes, minority groups and also um, gender minorities and, and whatever else. I mean, it was illegal for a dude to wear a dress until like 30 years ago. You would get put in fucking jail. They had to throw rocks at cops to be able to do that. Not that long ago. So it's like, to me, a lot of these people are potential anarchists in the sense that they know very well what it's like to be in the crosshairs of the state. Okay, but now men, now people that are male at birth, that wear uh -huh. dresses, they are celebrated by government organizations and funded by government organizations and 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 um sponsored by major corporations and heiser bush and nike and so on and so forth and major okay, so universities about, they are the heroes about it's the 10 fucking states that just made it so that they can look down little kids fucking pants and see what uh genitalia they're doing to make sure they're, yeah, they're not called reactionaries they're, they're Yes. They're actual reactionaries, and in terms of their reacting, they're, I'm not saying that they're morally, you know, I'm not saying that that's morally better, but they're literally reacting to class war and sure. class war, and it's a cynical class war. It's cynical. It's not. It's not genuine. Like it's not. It's not being done for the reasons that it that it's stating when it's as it's happening. I, I I'm fully agreeing. It that's all that's cynical, but I'm just saying that. Who that class of people, the transgenders and so forth and so on. Yeah, I know. I happen to know uh, of and know a lot of them that are, you know, leading more in the, in the liberatory direction. But I mean, there is no reason to be of that to be of that you know th those proclivities to not fully align yourself with the state and and and. and big government and big business right now because they're all for it and it's just cynical it's just it's just cynical it's not because they're, they're for that kind of thing it's absolutely it's absolutely to create more conflict and, and and um probably if i was a leftist i would say less class solidarity so the, the reason we're talking they're about creating this i'm sorry they're, they're creating out of minorities revolutionary classes to to beat everyone else over the head with and people are falling for it, I guess, is what, what what's, what's pissing me off the most about it. Hmm. Um, I mean, there is some truth that I just don't think we can make blanket statements like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it includes like so many fucking people. It's like saying environmentalist, you know, environmentalism means 
lots of fucking different things to lots of different. I don't people. trust environmentalists unless unless you really specify. I'm an environmentalist for fuck's sake. <laughs> no, but environmentalism became this, the same thing as the left. The more this moral crusade against hu human progress, and now they hate. Now all, all they all the thing that they tend to hold in common is big environmentalism. Is they they, they yes. hold we must have we must have lower living standards. We must have lower living standards. Yes. We must have lower living standards, and they hate anything that gives us higher living standards. And, and guess what? I'm only in this because I want higher living standards. <laughs> okay, so not not what, what you I, say I is very say true. That. And I and I say this all to all the time. It's like we've allowed like centrist corporatists or something to to uh to take up the mantle or consume radical politics or like good causes, right? Quite so, possibly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So environmentalism is a great fucking example of that. Like to where now, like that is a seen as like a cause of like elite liberals, right? But um the their version of it is like a distorted perverted version of what i think of as fucking environmentalism and they've like turned that back they've turned that cause back around into their to, to use as their own pet project for what for whatever control or power or money or whatever but does that make environmentalism like caring about the environment itself bad no it's just being used in a certain no. way by these people in power, right? Lots of conservatives are are a little bit and could be very strong environment environmentalists. In There's a lot of conservative conservationists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, uh, it's like uh, a lot of hunters are conservationists. You know what I mean? Yes, so, that's exactly where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, there's, so there's more than one. There's more than one environmentalism and. So I'm going to I'm using that as an example because it's very clear cut that that is just that cause itself is not bad, but it's being used in a certain way by people in power. Right. So I think it's a similar thing with like, quote, unquote, woke is like some of these causes are very valid. Right. A lot of these causes are very valid. And I probably agree with them, especially the more anarchist bent. Right. But they're being used as like a bludgeon by the elite class. In a in a certain yeah, way so, that would directly benefit them, not in a way that would actually liberate fucking anyone. Let me refer back to um, we were talking about because I guess I was starting to allude to this. Uh, we, we were talking about the civil rights movement and you know sort of creating a a class of people with with some kind of loyalty to the state um, out of, for example, the the African Americans, and um, by you know using strong centralized state power to kind of um to benefit that community specifically i mean just you know by name by legislation and i i think that that is kind of it's a common tactic or strategy tactic and strategy of regimes to you know single out a group to create them as a uh kind of a loyal class or a revolution not not really a revolutionary class actually but um vanguard of course yeah sort of well not even a vanguard of a, of a new thing but the, the the so the power elite you could say i think that term gets we, we push that term around a lot they they'll they'll take a class and kind of create use them as a i will say faux revolutionary class i can't mm. think of another term here of yeah. people with which to push forth their agenda 
And I think they did that. They did that very well. I mean, that's just another way of looking at, for example, the African-Americans strong loyalty to the Democratic Party for decades and decades and decades. And now they will they they, they are useful for uh, defending centralized power and, and the managerial class and 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 the new version of it that's quote unquote woke it's just so it's just the it's just the managerial class with slightly different ideology um centrally planning culture and whatever of course and I don't it, it'll create yeah. these gender and sexual minorities will be you know a basically a faux revolutionary class that 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 has this this enhanced loyalty to to I think the centralized state in its managerial class and but what of those that don't we just personally know those that don't and I, I, I well we have to reach industry we have to reach everyone else just like i right. don't put that much hope into like white middle america that yes they're the last they're the last people that may have that you know what declare referred to as american american traditions that that, that american spirit of individualism and whatnot and so forth um but they're not actively like the the heroes of this story either um but i do think they are put down and marginalized because they're the last they're the strongest anchor there's there's a ton of people from all these other groups that obviously care about for example gun rights but the strongest anchor of why their actual gun rights haven't been completely margin haven't been marginalized at all actually it's been a success story it's because of white middle america and the same reason we have this the, a lot of things the same the reason that obama couldn't bomb syria was because the right actually apparently really cared about that i'm not even sure where that came from um or was it trump it might have been trump which was really i forgot which one which it's a different story but, but it's essentially the same thing that i think that if you can segment people off off society and tell them they are at risk of victimization or they historically were factually at risk of factually um victimized and then you you can kind of create them as a a revolutionary class to kind of enforce what am i trying to say it's, it's getting to, it's getting so complicated in my head it, it, to enforce state power and in and kind of force the agenda and it's just sectarianism it, it's 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 I guess it goes out back to something as simple as divide and conquer. I, I'm not quite entirely sure, but it, it allows, it creates a loyalty to certain institutions, which then bolsters the power of the managerial class. Um, so the reason we started talking about this is because in the discord, uh, one of our um, listeners, Agnew Pickens uh, posted a question and I'm, I'm going to read it here. And he says, we had a whole conversation about this, but I'll, I'll, I'll just say the question for now. And he says, is it possible to be woke and based at the same time? And my very short answer to that was, depends on how you define woke, the way it is now legally defined in Florida. Yes, it is possible to be both woke and based at the same time. So... I usually use the word "woke" as a joke, anyway. So I don't. It's, I mean, it's a very, un, thing, it's a very unserious term. Word. I've, I hardly ever used. I've, I've 
I have used that word, but I don't really use yeah. that word. And I would never. I'll just say X has gone way. woke. I'll pretty much only use that word sarcastically, to be honest with you. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a boomer term at this point. I don't. I would never use it, it, it at pro or con, really. But yeah, who, who am I? It's like another Steven Crowder. That like, come on. <laughs> it means so many different things to so many different people. Like even people who we would find to be sort of ideologically allies would be defined as woke by like many other people because i don't know man i i'm having a problem with a lot of people these days i mean obviously (laughs) i don't think that you should be libertarian with a baseline of conservatism at all you can agree with the right but i think having to having that baseline of conservatism be just be a blanket over your libertarianism that doesn't work great but man these new crop of people i always said oh it would be great if libertarianism went kind of to the left oh god be careful what you wish for because these people cannot and will not level the same kind of criticisms that someone on the right that's a libertarian will when it comes to all these institutions that say and do all the right things they will not criticize ukraine they will not criticize legitimately yeah, bad things that. in the culture war legitimately bad things in the culture war like so just there's like several the, the, people in, on the Twitter who might you might be defined as like left libertarian who like um, I'll see like five out of ten posts and I'm like, holy fucking based. Awesome. Yes. Agree. 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 And then it's like we the NATO and the fucking UN and the Ukraine war is good or whatever the fucking thing. And it's like, Ugh, like and then I'll just see like the most like cringiest fucking post ever. I'm like, oh God, like awful. And yeah, um, I used to like classical liberals and neoliberals because they seemed a lot more mature and sane than 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 the Mises caucus, whatever people, the the memesters, the right, the like we wanna be we wanna be freaking Steven Crowders of libertarianism podcast people. Hated right. those can't stand those people. Um and the Dave Smith stand people like, and I would say, oh yeah, you centrist, you radical, you neoclassical liberal, neoliberal people. Yeah, you have some very pragmatic ideas, and you're kind of well-rounded. And then now they've gotten a little more of a voice, and we've gotten into the the Brandon administration, like ah. Bleh. Just yeah, vomit, no, vomit-inducing at this point. It's like I said, five out of ten. All the NATO. Like, oh, yeah, that's a fucking, that's a good post. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, what, yeah, I dig what you're saying. And then like the other five out of ten, I'm like, oh fucking god, you don't. Oh, I hate you. You know, well, the just... super liberal on the super liberal on on the, on the social, the big the big social issues that are in the headlines. They're perfectly fine with that. But this is kind of what I'm saying. You can be fine with all those things. The government, or I should say, the um. The the backers of the state, the class of people that truly back the state, like they aren't affected by all those social, cultural, culturally liberal issues, which I'm not even sure really culturally liberal. Like sometimes you can be culturally liberal, but sometimes people be just be wrong about stuff. But let's put that aside for right now. They can be they can check be as as culturally liberal as or they can inculcate people to be as culturally liberal as possible spread those ideas fund them teach them whatever doesn't really affect their material base of power but they'll get but but they will package because of politics are always a package deal they will package those with pro nato imperialist you know big government big business and, and, and next thing you know you've and this is actually preceded 
the phenomenon that I was talking about, but you'll have Raytheon and Northam Grumman in the pride parade in the cops. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. So here, here's a counterpoint though. So there's a growing number of, okay. So there's a lot of people that I'm sort of internet friends with and they're members of the LGBTQ community. And mm -hmm. They're fucking hardcore, like insurrectionary anarchists, dude, and like pro 3D printing guns and like pro freedom, absolutely hate the nation state, all the all the good stuff. So they have no love of centralization at all, and they don't like centralized power, and, and they're arming themselves, and they think like the best way, if you're concerned about, you know, um potential victimization is that we should form you know affinity groups and get armed and you know have community support networks and mutual aid and all the fucking good stuff right so then you get people like taco carlson like oh you know the right's supposed to be oh fucking pro gun and pro 2a and whatever else and he's very concerned about the lgbtq community slowly becoming more uh better on guns and becoming pro gun and this is concerning why is this concerning? I thought your issue with these people is that they were anti-gun and pro-state. But now that they're anti-state and pro-gun, you have an issue with that? It seems to me that the issue is not that they're for centralization or want to take away your rights. It seems the issue is you have these, not you, Penguin, but like people like Tucker Carlson, it seems the issue that, that they have with these people is those people. Do you know what I mean? Like it, they can't, when they were when they were anti-gun and pro-state, they didn't like them. And now, but now that they're anti-state and pro-gun, they don't like them even more now. So yeah, I think there were some valid problem? criticisms of some in, you know individual <laughs> or small groups of, of of trans people after that this shooting and some of the stuff. But overall, yeah, and you you also got people showing their true colors as far as being you know the being second amendment absolutists or not. And that was kind of actually a good thing in response to that. Um, but, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson just... Yeah, they want to... Right now it's the conservatives so that really want like, to bring about gun control against transgender folks. Tucker Carlson's... Yeah, Tucker Carlson's a, 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 a job. He's a psyop. I don't know what he is, but... He's a CIA <laughs> plant, according to... Oh, Where was he in Nicaragua? Robbie Martin. He's in Nicaragua yeah, Robbie Martin. Or wherever. He's a CIA fucking plant, is <laughs> oh, what yeah, he is. The same guy that we, we, you and I are talking. I thought the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, hates. He I, hates the dude, I, so I don't agree with Robbie Martin all the time, but man, I fucking really love his post sometimes. I, di he I just dig his post. I dig yeah, his post. Yeah. I'm not saying I agree with his post, but I dig his post, man. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I I like it. I I think he uses the word neocon too liberally, but uh, mm -hmm. um. For the reasons we talked about earlier, you know, like not everyone that's pro war is a neocon, you know, but, um, and I don't agree with all of his posts or his points or whatever, but he, man, he is fucking on point a lot of the time. And even when he, I don't agree with him, I still enjoy his posts because it's very provoking. Yeah. I mean, clearly, I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast or if you know me before the podcast. I mean, I've, I've clearly shifted in my opinion on a lot of things. Basically, I've shifted my opinion a lot on, on, on the right. And of course, I really define that term a lot more loosely now because I think it's academically or whatever defined as the amalgamation of all the people that are against the left. And, uh, you know, the left, like you said, just functionally not a far left or has it been for large swaths of the, the 
recent history. And there really still isn't. And especially under your theory, there there just isn't. There plainly isn't. Um, but Except for I think like nine nerdy Trotskyists in Brooklyn somewhere. But yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Brooklyn Brooklyn hipsters are all all, all now super far right. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the new, um, it's the new cool thing. It's the new so cool. Are you thing. saying like you're defining yourself as a right winger now? No. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, 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 by that academic definition, I mean, I still think that I have a newfound appreciation from the idea that I don't really put my ideas across that left right spectrum and that good. means both the good thing that i mean for a while i was kind of saying yeah i mean, i think in terms of real politics if i were to go and participate in politics or participate even in debate and discourse i would be on the right for sure by but i don't know if i'd use that term because that term means something different to someone on the left than it does someone that maybe has a poli sci degree you know what i mean like right you know people on both I mean, depending sides on who the, I'm talking those terms to, to mean Okay. People on both sides to use those terms just to mean good and bad. And yeah, it's yeah. really dumb if those are the only options to define all politics. It's pretty stupid to even do that, but people do that and you got to be careful what you say, how how you use those terms then. Yeah, uh I've never really thought thought of my I've thought of myself as neither for most of my adult life. And um I don't like those terms at all. Um and I do like the idea that we're the. I wish the fascists never used the term third positionist because that's like a decent yeah, we, term. We went through, we went through that. <laughs> yeah, we had the whole secret um, third thing, secret other thing. But yes, I think there's a lot of people, like depending on who I'm talking to, who would define me as right wing or left wing. You know, depending on who I'm talking to. I think to. there's a strong definition. There's a strong definition where I don't know, man. You you do make a good case for being in the middle. But there's a case that we on this I don't, podcast. I'm not middle either. No, I'm not middle. Don't call me middle. It's gross. Oh, <laughs> you always saying it like that. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a there's a strong case that, that, that we us on this podcast are on the right, but it's on the right. It's a right that's so far from what that term means to most people. You would call our co- podcast right. That's there's weird. a definition of of right wing, but it's uh, so far from the popular definition. Where we are against the kind of the centralizing, rationalizing scientific principles of the of the of the left, and, and people have argued me with that too. That that's uh, not the, the, what about the the anarchists come out of the left. Well, the, yeah, Proudhon and the anarchists do come, out, and Bastiat came out of the left, but they clearly diverge greatly from I think the current from the left that that survives today. I mean, I I know who Bastiat is, but his, his I know who Proudhon is, but it's not exactly a major global strain of mutualism you know what i mean i think certain parts of the french revolutionary left won out over others sure yeah the jacobins over the mutualists yeah. um, and, and and karl marx and, and and marx too marx marx saw all this disorganized you know people yeah to me know, marx is the right wing changing People changing prices and, and competing each other and running advertisements and doing all this crazy product differentiation and all this, you know, having three people making the same product in the same region and then moving it, moving things around between different regions that they already had domestic producers of things and whatnot. And he saw that as supremely irrational and just wanted to simplify and rationalize production. And then he thought that all that market activity was waste that could be harnessed to basically provide for everyone and, and get rid of scarcity. And that's just so not how things actually were found to be work to work. 
And he thought that that rationalization of, you know, centrally planned production would take all this waste that comes from market competition and market activity and use that, harness that to provide for everyone. Um, but turns out that wasn't, it just, it seems right when you don't know, but turns out that's not true. It doesn't work that way. And so that's the, the left. They want to rationalize what's, what's seemingly irrational stuff, which is, seemingly irrational behavior whether it's culture or tradition or it's uh market activity well one thing i can say that i'm glad to see about and culture and tradition doesn't have to be reactionary or anything that's stupid you can be sure. very you know you can be very out there and not conservative and still have culture and tradition that, that you value as different from the next you know town over sure sure yeah, I mean, make your own traditions, you know. But I am glad to see like the um, the skepticism of rationalism and enlightenment thinking. Um, that's one good thing I think that's coming out of all of this. Um, not that I'm like um, against reason or, or rationality or anything. It's just that it was put on such a pedestal for a long time and seen as the solution to everything like you described with Marx it's like oh no we just need scientific rationalism for fucking everything and it has its place but it's often used outside of its place and I it think it makes sense to even you don't know what things that are frankly above a lot of people's reading level you know I mean, it does seem like having 28 cereals to choose from is like creating waste. And to know that it's not necessarily, it's kind of like, it's kind of a big deal. Well, it's also to know that like not everything can be rationalized. You know what I mean? Or at least not ahead of time. Like it takes so many fucking variables in like, non-rational thinking amongst humans that you cannot rationalize everything you know and so you that's the, that's the same reason that like uh, scientific central planning doesn't work either you know it's just like not you can't rationally think through all of these like messy human interactions that are you can't really simply plan human behavior human right. behavior anyway because they're thinking agents they can react to your planning for lots of different reasons not all of them being rational and i'm not saying they're irrational yes. i'm saying they're non-rational they don't have anything to do with rationalism it's i like the smell of this fucking flower so i buy this flower that's not a like mm -hmm. that's not a rational calculation do you know what i'm saying like so um that's i think that's the vast majority of the human experience is non-rational it has nothing you know so Ra rationality this reminds me of of um on unregistered a bunch of different episodes but i remember that one and this probably was my very first rethinking of the right this is when i would have considered myself on the left and they he interviewed um thaddeus russell interviewed that classical conservative guy and he actually he's Daniel McCart McCarthy is actually the guy. Um, really cool guy, by the way. Just nice guy, seems. Um, and he, they were, he was going, this is the first time that uh, I think Thaddeus was going around about affect and like just 
tastes and enjoying like the taste and the smells of things and the you know emotion and um mccarthy talks about how yeah like conservatism isn't against isn't for austerity or you know you know strict austerity and plainness at all it, it's it's all about enjoying fine food and drink and the you know the the sounds and smells of things and i think that rationalism that that enlightenment rationalism that the left comes out of doesn't appreciate those things now obviously there are a lot of been a lot of people you know they were like artists that have have left-wing affinity that's of course true all this is true all this stuff where people have kind of various you know sets of combinations of views um certainly sure. exist but i think there is something about that kind of rationalism that puts aside the the, the human factor and just tries to make it more scientific more predictable yeah. we should wrap it up here dude but um yeah i'd have to go i'm way over my time limit but that's that's perfectly fine it's not i'm not that bad is it still I'll is live. it still ramadan yeah it's halfway over halfway okay okay well are you going to mosque yeah. tonight in a little bit yeah okay i'm well, going enjoy. as soon as i finished yeah we wrap this up i'm gonna um pray and then head out of here all right well enjoy uh your, your night at the mosque dude and uh oh this yep. will be put out after easter but anybody that's selling birding easter happy easter oh yeah um, tomorrow's easter do you um uh, you your family is like different religions. my mom would always yeah my mom would yes my mom my mom would celebrate my mom would celebrate more of a cultural easter though it's like it's more yeah, like bunnies and pastels we're, yeah yeah we're egg, we're we, easter egg hunt we are atheists that but have kids and kids like to hunt Easter eggs. So that's basically not atheist, I mean? like, so, so like we're just going very back, much but. very much into the cultural tradition. A lot of little yeah, pastel sure. plaids and stuff. She's she's very you know, which is funny. It's, it's it's funny to see how somebody like that kind of marries outside their culture, but it's you know, it's also uh it's pretty superficial. I mean bunnies aren't really nobody's worshipping the bunny, you know. So. Right. Well, are you, are, so do you go over there for like those holidays too? Nah, I, I can see them anytime, so I don't really think too much. Yeah, about yeah, it. gotcha. They're right. They're yeah. just right across town. You know what I mean? It's kind of great. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure they appreciate it in the, at their age now. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I got two little girls, and they like getting uh, dressed up and going. They put on their Easter dresses or whatever, and they go run around. Oh, she in the put field me. Yeah, and... she put me in. She put me in these frocks or whatever that were like. The same equivalent of the Easter dresses. They were so uh, fruity. I, I I hate even as a kid. I was like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> Apparently, I loved I liked right, the man. rabbit at the time, but whatever. Yeah, I can course. live without that man, tradition. Who doesn't like candy? But I I mean I don't eat candy. Anymore, I'm, all, but... I'm all for the candy part. I'm all for the candy yeah, part. Yeah. That's the part that I'll, I'll carry on for sure. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, enjoy <laughs> well, yourself. Good episode. Mosque, and ha happy Easter, everybody, and everybody be excellent to each other. And and, and, we'll and Passover, you. if that wasn't Passover, if that wasn't already day, right or yesterday? I, I don't I don't know. Whenever Neither Passover was to our, to our to our Jewish friends, happy Passover. Yeah, happy Passover. All right. Peace, everybody. Peace out. Ciao.